From Schwartz Media, I'm Beth Atkinson-Quinton. This is 7am. Over the past few years, the federal government has passed more and more laws granting police and security agencies greater access to our private communications. Law enforcement agencies claim the powers protect Australians from criminals, but there are growing concerns that they actually weaken our online security. Today, writer for the Saturday paper and chair of Digital Rights Watch, Lizzie O'Shea, on Australia's ever-expanding surveillance powers and if they could actually make us more vulnerable. Lizzie, let's start with the basics. What is encryption and when did it start becoming part of our day-to-day lives? So for a long time, really, as the internet was developing, as our systems of network communication were growing, encryption wasn't a common thing. It was really only used in certain small parts of the internet. But of course, what happened in 2013 was that Edward Snowden revealed to the world just how much of our communication was being watched by surveillance agencies, and in particular, the National Security Agency. Today, he came out as the leaker of classified NSA documents that spell out a secret surveillance program. The NSA specifically targets the communications of everyone. It ingests them by default. It collects them in its system and it filters them and it analyzes them and it measures them and it stores them for periods of time simply because that's the easiest, most efficient and most valuable way to achieve these ends. What that revealed, of course, was that a lot of the systems that we use as everyday people are vulnerable to being intercepted by intelligence agencies. So while they may uh, be intending to uh, target someone associated with a foreign government or someone that they suspect of terrorism, they're collecting your communications to do so. Uh, Any analyst at any time can target anyone, uh, any selector anywhere. And what it revealed to tech companies is that their systems of communications were also vulnerable, that they couldn't necessarily offer uh, a kind of safe, secure system because intelligence agencies could easily get access to those systems of information exchange. So what that meant, of course, was that encryption started to be rolled out much more broadly. Uh, It started to be much more commonplace in emails, in messaging systems, of course, in relation to banking, so that when you can send information over a networked communication system, you can trust that it will only be read by the intended recipient, not somebody else who might pick it up as it moves through space. Okay, so encryption, it's something that we all use every day, even if we're not thinking about it. As you said, uh, you know, the fact that it is so ubiquitous is a result of these revelations that governments were spying on us and accessing all sorts of data. So how have they responded to this new era of mass encryption? Well, if you talk to law enforcement or intelligence agencies, they talk about this problem as a problem of going dark, that in fact they aren't able to access communications to do their job, to do investigations, to surveil people for law enforcement purposes. 
they see it as a huge problem that encryption is now widespread. And it's meant that they've been in the ear of lawmakers in all sorts of places all around the world talking about how they might be able to recover some of that capability uh, because it was a pretty good deal for them for a long time. A lot of information moving through space, unprotected, that they could intercept and use for their purposes. They now see it as a huge imposition that encryption is so widespread and that's affected how they approach these policy questions of how they might be able to access it and what kinds of powers they need to do so. Okay, so how have lawmakers in Australia responded to those demands from police and security agencies? So in 2017, Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull proposed a set of legislative powers to break encryption. We need to ensure that the internet is not used as a dark place for bad people to hide their criminal activities from the law. Which is what we now know as TOLA, the Telecommunications and Other Legislation Amendment Act. And the Australian Federal Police must have the powers, as do all our other intelligence and law enforcement agencies, to enforce the law online as well as offline. And what these laws essentially did was set up a regime whereby agencies could either request or compel technology companies to give them access to their encrypted systems. Um, That includes getting access to basic information, but also it involves a notice that whereby an agency can ask a tech company to build deliberately a weakness into an encrypted system for use by that agency. And that's obviously very useful for them if they're targeting particular people, but obviously also means that many people who are using their systems are in fact using compromised services without knowing. So Lizzie, what you're saying is this law, TOLA, allows law enforcement to bypass encryption, access our data, and we might not even know that it's happened. Yeah, it's really troubling. So TOLA passed into law in a disgracefully rushed process. To give you an idea, in the United Kingdom, uh, a similar proposal was put, which was eventually watered down. They debated that for a period of years, whereas in Australia, the bill was tabled and passed within four months with little scrutiny from many important parts of society, but also really insufficient public debate about the implications of these laws. And I think it was a really terrible episode in our social democracy where such significant powers can be introduced into law without sufficient scrutiny. The question is that the amendments be agreed to. All those of that opinion say aye. Aye. To the contrary, no. The ayes have it. The question now is that this bill... And Tola was really just the start... Now law enforcement and intelligence are asking for even more powers to reach even deeper into our systems of communications. We'll be back in a moment. As a a 7am listener, you value the story behind the headlines. That's why you should read Post, a free daily newsletter bringing you the top five news stories of the day, summarising each of their key points with links to full articles from a range of sources. Get the news you need to your inbox every weekday morning with Post. Sign up at thesaturdaypaper.com.au slash newsletters. For Sloane Crosley, writing about the loss of a friend may not have provided catharsis, but it did allow for the possibility of a better ending. 
Like you have this amazing meal that's this friendship and then you have a really, 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 really bad dessert with shards of glass in it. And then like the book is like, you know, those little chunks of chocolate that come with the bill. I'm Michael Williams. Join me for this week's episode of Read This as I talk to Sloane Crosley about her latest Grief is for People. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Lizzie, Tola became law in 2018, and since then, law enforcement and intelligence agencies have kept asking for even more surveillance powers. Can you tell me, what are the next steps? So it's never a dull moment when it comes to law enforcement and intelligence agencies. I don't think they ever think they have enough powers. The Minister. Thank you very much, Mr Deputy Speaker. I move this bill be now read a second time. The Surveillance Legislation Amendment identifying Disrupt Bill of 2020 will enhance the powers of Commonwealth law... And I think political representatives never say no when they're requested by these agencies to expand the powers that are available to them. This bill will allow the Australian Federal Police and the Australian Criminal Intelligence Commission to shine a light into the darkest recesses of the online world and hold those hiding there to account. Peter Dutton talked about it as giving the capacity for law enforcement to shine a light into the darkest recesses of the online world. Multiple layers of technologies that conceal the identities, IP addresses, jurisdictions, locations and activities of criminals are increasingly hampering investigations into serious crimes. This includes child sexual abuse, terrorism and the trafficking of firearms and illicit drugs. So the most recent round of um, legislative reforms that have been proposed include a set of warrants. They're called warrants, but in fact, I think that's a bit misleading because they don't actually have to go before a judge in certain instances. But what they will do is facilitate law enforcement access to networks to be able to disrupt those networks and, and gain access to data as they move through them to essentially reach right into the communications infrastructure that exists not just in Australia but around the world uh, and monitor it, collect information and conduct extensive surveillance. Okay, so law enforcement agencies say they need these powers to disrupt criminal networks, but these laws clearly go further than that, don't they? So what are the concerns here? Well, The problem with these powers is it's not just an issue for certain sections of society that you might expect, like journalists and whistleblowers and human rights defenders. It's actually got implications for everybody in terms of their digital security and safety. So Microsoft, for example, had a weakness in one of the pieces of software that they sell. Uh, And for a long time, the NSA knew about this and exploited that vulnerability to be able to conduct intelligence operations and the like. What then happened was that that vulnerability got out of the NSA, got into the wild, and it was used by criminals to gain access to the computer systems of everyday people, of systems like the NSA. What that ultimately led to was the WannaCry ransomware attack. It looked at first like an attack just on hospitals in the UK, but it's now becoming clear that this malicious software has run riot around the world. Russia, the United States... The NHS in the UK, for example, was affected and it meant that they had to divert ambulances, they couldn't get access to medical records because of this ransomware attack. Would you believe they're writing down things on pen and paper right now? Their um, terminals where they keep all their patient files were locked down a clock uh, started ticking down and apparently they have till next Friday to pay a ransom of 300 bitcoins. And this is all because the NSA knew about this vulnerability but elected not to tell Microsoft about it 
And it's a clear example of how the interests of security agencies can diverge from the public interest. Okay, so this is what we're seeing overseas. But if we bring it back to Australia, we're seeing our government's effort to disrupt criminal networks. And then on the other hand, we're seeing lots of people that are very concerned uh, that this is a breach of their civil liberties and generally maintaining internet security. Do you think that the government is doing the right thing here? Well, I think often the way the debate is portrayed is that privacy is in conflict with security. You have to give up some of your privacy in order to allow law enforcement and intelligence agencies to look after us and keep us safe. And I think actually the opposite is true, that in fact, privacy and security work together, that if you have systems that protect people's information as it moves through space, that keeps them secure from criminal activity, from state-sponsored hacking, from all sorts of bad stuff that goes on on the internet. In fact, what's in conflict is security and surveillance. As these surveillance agencies start to build up digital weaponry, an arsenal of tools that allow them to do their job, not just to track down criminals that we, you know, might think of, you know, using the dark web and the like, but also to uh, be able to gain advantages against their international rivals and at a state level. So I think what we're seeing is a divergence between the interests of the public and the interests of intelligence and security agencies. And I think it's the job of politicians to do a better job of acting for the public rather than just acceding to the demands of the surveillance state. Lizzie, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for having me. With award-winning news coverage and reviews, the Saturday paper is essential reading for everybody. For a limited time, subscribe to a year of our quality, independent journalism and you'll receive the Saturday paper's stainless steel coffee cup made in collaboration with Fresco for free. Subscribe from just $2.10 a week. Simply visit thesaturdaypaper.com.au forward slash offer. The Saturday paper. No hot takes. Also in the news today... Australia recorded its first COVID-19-related death in 2021 yesterday, with a woman in her 90s from Sydney Southwest passing away over the weekend. New South Wales recorded 77 new cases of COVID-19 on Sunday, bringing the total number of cases in this latest outbreak to 566. The state premier, Gladys Berejiklian, warned that the caseload on Monday could exceed 100. And... Ash Barty has broken Australia's 41-year drought at Wimbledon by winning the Grand Slam. Barty is the first Australian woman since Yvonne Goolagong Cawley in 1980 to win Wimbledon. I'm Beth Atkinson-Quinton. This is 7am. I'll see you tomorrow.